Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Amber Bennett, and I will be reading Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heavens is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. If you're like me, you've already been blessed and the Lord's already spoken to you this morning through the music and through the prayers this morning. What a glorious morning it has been. And it's a joy to be with you. Once again, my name is Owen Ross and I work for the Bishop doing church development. That's a fancy way of saying I'm a bureaucrat for Jesus and I am happy to be with you and thankful for your ministry. Uh, with us also is, uh, well, my wife may have taken the kids. No, she's here. My wife is back here with us, uh, Sochil Ross. And uh, I appreciate that applause for her. That was a much stronger applause than for the being a Texas Aggie, uh, even though I, I appreciate the spattering of that. And we're right on the, this isn't part of the sermon, but uh, um, my wife is from Reynosa, Mexico. And we, are, we just came off of April 21st, which is a special day for us Aggies. It's Aggie Muster Day. It's also San Jacinto Day for us Texans. And my first year of being married with my wife on April 21st, I woke up and I turned to her and I said, Happy San Jacinto Day. And she responded, Okay. And I said, Happy San Jacinto Day. And she's like, What's that? I said, that's the day we Texans celebrate that we were liberated from Mexican tyranny. To which my wife responded, well, you can't celebrate because you're still under Mexican tyranny. <laughs> Not much I could respond to that. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And there is joy here, Lord, in your house. We have been blessed through the music. We've been blessed through the prayer and through the fellowship we experience in your house. And Lord, we come to you once again and ask you to speak to us. Speak to each one of us individually. You know the message we need to hear today. Speak to us. May we give you the honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's a common scene in Scripture. Jesus is teaching in a crowded house. The doors are open. The wooden windows, they're wide open. People are packed in the house, people are packed in the windows, people are packed in the doors. When Jesus' mother, Mary, comes with Jesus' brothers, and they want to speak to Jesus. And so they tell someone, tell Jesus that we're out here wanting to speak to him. We can imagine that person just weaving through the crowd, figuring out how to squeeze through that crowded door, and making his way to Jesus and saying, Jesus... Your mom and brothers sent me in here to tell you that they're outside and they want to talk to you. Well, it's fascinating and radical how Jesus responds. It's not like we expect. Now, we wouldn't expect Jesus to respond like a rude teenager and turn to him and say, well, what does she want? We'd most likely expect Jesus to do the polite thing, to turn to the crowd and say, excuse me, 
my mom and my brothers are outside. I need to go speak to them. But Jesus doesn't do that either. Jesus instead turns to the one who'd come in and delivered the message and asked that person, who is my mother and who are my brothers? You can imagine them thinking, I'm pretty sure it's the people outside who sent me here to tell you they want to talk to you. But at that moment, Jesus turns to the disciples who we can understand goes beyond the 12, meaning there are men, women, children present, and Jesus points to them and says, here, here, here is my mother, here are my brothers. For whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my sister, and my brother. In that instant in world history, Jesus forever changed the definition of family. Beyond any genetics or biology. But it's something that we know already. You can probably look around this room and find people that you are closer to than some members of your genetic family. Um, those of us who have adoption as part of our family story, we know that biology and genetics isn't necessarily what makes you family. And Jesus points that out to us. And this scripture has really spoken to me as I was the pastor for 15 years of La Fundición de Cristo Misión Metodista Unida, which is Christ Foundry United Methodist Mission in Dallas, Texas. And I have a picture of some of us from Christ Foundry. It's hard to find a community that is more different from the community that I grew up in. I grew up in the rural East Texas town of Henderson, and Christ Foundry is in an urban center. I grew up, I, everyone in my family just speaks English. Most persons were monolingual Spanish or bilingual Spanish English in this community. I grew up a U.S. citizen with all of its rights and privileges, most of the adults in the community where I served were unauthorized immigrants. I grew up middle class. They were low-income, working-class people. But somehow, Jesus was able to bridge that divide and create a family among us that was called La Fundición de Cristo, or Christ's Foundry. I remember one young man, his name was Enrique, and you can picture him, a, an urban youth, you know, kind of a tough-looking guy. He'd show up to church with his flat-brim hat pulled down low and his pants pulled down lower. And Enrique shows up at church, and he'd take him in, and we start teaching Enrique how to play the piano with one finger, you know, the little chords that you could program the, computer, the uh, piano to do. And we made him a part of the band. But little by little, Enrique started showing up later, he seemed to be angrier and angrier at the world. And the straw that broke the camel's back was he started falling asleep in front of the church. Now, don't get me wrong. It's one thing to fall asleep in church. It's another thing to start falling asleep in front of the church between songs. So I had to tell Enrique, 
his time of being in the band had come to an end. We wanted him to stay in the church, but, but you know, his attitude, his uh, showing up late, that was a bit much. And so I set it up. I was going to take him to Waterburger, take him to lunch, and then let him down easy. And so everything goes as planned. I pick him up, take him to Waterburger. We're driving home. We get to a red light. I turn to him, and I said, Enrique, you know, I've, I've noticed you don't seem that happy at 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 church or in in the band and uh you know you've been showing up late late uh, later and later lately and why why do you keep coming well this young man turns and looks out the window and when he turns back to me under his flat brim hat i can see he is crying in my car after crying and he says to me pastor it's the only place I feel loved. And so I tell him, I wanted to take you to eat today, just encourage you to keep coming to band, how much we appreciate you and happy you're. But the Lord was able to bridge the vast divide. The world does not want Enrique and I to be family. But the Lord connected us. Paul writes in the third chapter of Colossians, Stop lying to each other. You've given up your old way of life and its habits. Each of you is now a new person. Talking about when you come into a relationship with Christ. You're now a new person. You're becoming more and more like your creator. That's our sanctification. And you will understand him better. It does not matter if you're a Greek or a Jew, if you are circumcised or not. You may even be a barbarian or a Scythian. You may even be a slave or a free person. Yet Christ is all that matters. And Christ lives in all of us. The NIV says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. And the OKR version, which is the O.N.K. Ross version, says, In Christ there is no American or non-American, undocumented or citizen, Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal, progressive or traditionalist, red, yellow, black, brown, white, Aggie, or Longhorn. But our identity is in Christ first. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're like Clark Kent stepping into that telephone booth. We don't come out the same. We still carry the other identities that go along with us. But they are no longer primary. They no longer come first. Our primary identity becomes that in Christ. And in that identity with Christ, we receive a new family. The family of God. E. Stanley Jones was a well-known world evangelist. And he speaks of it in the way of Christian maturity and and relates it a bit to the maturity of a baby. Now, when a baby is born, babies are quite selfish. If a baby is cold or wet, they cry. If anyone else is cold or wet, the baby does not care. And we all may know people who never grew much further than that. If they're cold or wet, they cry. If anybody else is cold or wet, they don't care. Jones says, as Christians, we're called to mature beyond that. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to take care of ourselves. You know, put your oxygen masks on first so you can care for others. But the problem is when people get stuck there. 
says soon the baby will realize the baby has a mom or dad, maybe siblings. In short, the baby realizes that the baby has a family. And it's important to care for our families. The problem comes when we get stuck there. Some of the worst people in world history, some of the most evil people in history, took care of their own family well. As Christians, we're called to grow beyond that. Jones, who was widely traveled, said, beyond that, we start recognizing that we are part of a tribe. Now, in some parts of the world, identifying what tribe we are a part of is, is easier. Here in the United States, we, we carry a lot of tribal identities. We're, we're Methodists, we're Texans, we're East Texans, we're Aggies, we're Longhorns. But I am noticing how much our national politics and state politics are becoming more and more tribal. It's getting less and less, okay, which policy is the best, which candidate is the best. More and more politicians can just take us for, for, uh, for granted because we're a part of their tribe. And we're seeing people move to red neighborhoods, blue neighborhoods, red churches, blue churches. One of the saddest things I saw in this past election is how many counties in America went 96% one way or another. And I found myself thinking, those poor people, they don't know anyone who doesn't think like them. And we are less of a country because of it. We are in a series talking about being better together, but we acknowledge there's a lot of forces at work that do not want us to be together. Jones says we're called to grow beyond that. Because many evils have been done in the world based on tribalism. Jones says we realize that we're part of a a nation. And I I consider myself very patriotic. I serve my nation in the United States Peace Corps. We make a big to-do every year on the 4th of July. But the problem comes when we get stuck there. Lots of evil has been done in the name of patriotism or nationalism. Jones explains that we are called to have a kingdom mind, to be kingdom-minded people as Christians. But I can assure you, once you start acting in a kingdom-minded way, those who want to divide us in any of those below us will start critiquing you. Those who aren't doing anything for anyone will find fault with what you're doing for somebody. I can remember in 2018, when our nation was uh, separating children from their mothers, putting them in tents, putting them in cages, I was invited to go to Tornillo, Texas, and I have a picture of that, to minister to the kids that were in the tents there. And if you want to be moved spiritually, hearing a group of young people seeing behind barbed wire and armed guards that there is freedom in the house of the Lord, it will change your heart. I also remember leaving there and hearing a guy on the radio saying, I don't know why people expect us to take care of these kids. We need to take care of our own. And I found myself saying, I completely agree with this guy. We need to take care of our own. 
But the difference between me and the guy on the radio is that Jesus had changed the definition of who is my own. And you'll hear it too. As you go to Proyecto Abrigo to build houses for people in Mexico. People will say, ah, there's people who need houses right here. As you collect food for people who won't even step foot in your church. Building and bidding on empty bowls. Collecting beds and distributing where beds start. For again, for people who don't even live near you. And when people ask you why you do that, or if you hear critiques about it, you just tell them that Stonebridge United Methodist Church is a church that believes on taking care of our own. But Jesus has broadened the definition of those we consider our own. Remember one time our church was on the news for being active with immigration issues, and we got the nastiest voicemail. And this person was claiming to be a Christian, and they were judging me for being a Christian and then helping this community. They called from a, they blocked their number, and they did not leave a return number, and oh, how I wish they had, because I wanted to call them back. Because I had one question for them. Only one question. And my question for him was this. What do you expect in your future? What do you expect in your future? As for me and my house, I'm planning on spending eternity with a bunch of these people. And I don't want to bump into them in heaven and say, oof, I really thought you'd be in the Ukrainian section. Or the Republicans, or the Democrats section. Or go down the other divides our world wants to impose on us. Do any of us think heaven's going to be that way? Of course not. And yet we pray, as the Lord taught us, thy will be done on earth as it is in And so if it's that way in heaven, shouldn't we seek to live into that as we pray that? In the 1800s, there was a a, a missionary, spent most of his time in India, named Amos Sutton. He was from Britain, and, and on his last trip, when he left Great Britain, heading to India, knowing it was his last trip, that he wouldn't be returning to see those who who he loved and was raised with in England, he wrote this hymn that has been put to the tune of Auld Lang Syne. And this tune talks about the celestial family reunion that awaits us all. And I've made known to my friends, to my mom, that I want this song sung at my funeral, to which my mom responded, don't talk like that. But there's one verse in it that really speaks to me. As someone who has ministered to many nations and who has lived in many places. And I want to share that verse with you. The words go like this. From Burma's shores 
from Africa's strand, from India's burning plain, from Europe, from Colombia's land, we hope to meet again. It is a hope a blissful hope which Jesus grace has given the hope when days and years are past we all shall meet in heaven I'd like to ask all the women young women and girls' presence, if you'll stand for me. If you'll just stand. Many of you will be celebrating Mother's Day today. For others, this is a, has been said, a difficult day. There are some here who are wanting children and have not had children. There are uh, some who look at misbehaving children in Walmart and thank God they do not have children. Others, today is a day where you remember your mom who is already in that celestial family reunion awaiting us. But to each and every one of you, Jesus says, when you seek to do the Lord's will, when you try to do what God asks, that is seeking God. That is doing God's will. When you do that, Jesus calls you and you and you his mothers. Jesus says you are his mother. So happy Mother's Day to you all. And now I'll ask the men to join them. And when we seek to do the Lord's will, Jesus calls you and me his brothers. So may we go forth being kingdom-minded in a world that is trying to pull us apart. Knowing that the forces that try to pull us apart, there is a force that is greater that is at work in us and through us and all around us. So may we go forth and live into Jesus' prayer that comes from the 17th chapter of John. Go forth to be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And to be ambassadors of peace and reconciliation. For greater is the one who is in us than the one who's trying to pull us apart. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you confessing that we sometimes fall into the divisions of the world. But Lord, we thank God for this community that reminds us day in, day out, and every Sunday that we are better together. Giving us, Lord, that strength to move forward. To say to the world, we will not fall into the divisions. We will not be your agents of division. 
For we have been reconciled and you have been given the spirit of reconciliation. Lord, we celebrate that you call us your mothers, that you call us your brothers. And Lord, may this day and every day forward be blessed as we seek your will and to bless others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.